As those of you who have been listening to our last two broadcasts know, we've been trying to answer the request of a woman who writes that her husband committed adultery and that she had forgiven him back in the fall and now late in the next summer, uh, almost a year later, is still experiencing hard struggles in trusting him, in uh, the whole relationship, and so on. We've dealt with many things so far on the two broadcasts. For example, the nature of forgiveness, the importance of being explicit in granting forgiveness as a promise, the fact that a person can keep that promise and can begin to forget if he or she does not keep bringing up the matter either to the offender or to others or to oneself by dwelling on that matter in self-pity. Then we talked about the importance of being clear-cut and definite, leaving no doubt about forgiveness and its granting or forgiveness and its uh, and requesting of forgiveness. And we also said that forgiveness was not just the all in all of this question, but it was only the beginning. Uh, just as when God forgives us, that isn't the end of our relationship with him, all is well and all is finished, uh, we're forgiven and what more needs to be done? No, now that we're forgiven, that's the beginning of a whole new relationship that needs to be worked out. And so the last time we suggested that this lady and her husband or anyone else who was listening needed to sit down and in good communication work through all of the problems that led to that difficulty and all of the other problems in that marriage that enabled this marriage to go that far down the drain. So a whole new relationship needs to be dealt with. This is not just a matter of forgiveness. It's a matter now of building a future life between the two of them that is more secure and more sure because it is more faithfully based on the Word of God than the previous one. All right, well, now that much. But there is another question, this question of trusting again. She says, please, could you discuss sometime a woman's role in her husband's unfaithfulness in trusting again? And then she talks later on about guilt for not trusting. So this seems to be a very significant part of the problem. I suggested last time that if the two of them began to work on their relationship positively, building new kinds of ways of relating to one another for a, uh, into the future marriage, that this would in itself make a tremendous change. As she began to see change in the life of her husband as well as change in her own life, as the two of them worked together on problems and as they began to discuss these problems, a trust would begin to build. And this is the fundamental factor that needs to be stressed, that trust grows out of a, a definite change in the situation. Hope comes from seeing a newness about the marriage. But in the meanwhile, what can this woman do while she and her husband are beginning to discuss this question? Well, I think that she needs to learn how to love her husband in this matter. You see, according to 1 Corinthians 13, in that great passage that has to do with love, we read these words, love is patient. You can't expect everything uh, to change all at once. And so patience is very crucial. Love is kind. It's not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Now listen to the next uh, few uh, factors about love. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. There is the idea of putting into the past what one has promised not to raise in the future. 
But now listen to these. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. In other words, she doesn't put all the emphasis upon his slips and his failures and his mistakes and the things that are wrong and the things that he does uh, wrong, but where he succeeds and where there is a positive advance. She rejoices greatly in this. And listen to these. Bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in particular, those words, believes all things and hopes all things. Those are the two that she needs to recognize and come to grips with. Love is the conscious effort of giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. She is not to become suspicious. She is to fight against that suspicion. She is to take his word when he says, I'm home late tonight because I had to work late at the office. She's not supposed to uh, call around his back and try to find out if that's where he really is or whether that's where he is not. Love makes itself vulnerable. Love gives the benefit of the doubt and insists upon believing the other person at all costs until the facts themselves demand that he not be believed any longer. Love always goes the extra mile. Love always does the thing that's hard. Now, I know what your problem is, of course. You don't want to be hurt again. It hurts you deeply to have your husband become unfaithful to you. I recognize that. That's obvious. But you see, that's where your problem lies. You're afraid. You're afraid that you're going to be hurt again. You're afraid if you allow yourself to hope. You're afraid if you allow yourself to believe. You're afraid if you allow yourself to do these things that you're going to be let down hard again. And so what you're doing is holding yourself back. You're holding back your trust. You're holding back your belief. You're holding back your hope. You're hoping against hope. With one hand, you want to hope that things will be different, but with the other, you pull that hand back, refusing to take the hope that your husband offers to you. And that is the way that we are in times like this. But the Bible says we can't be that we must love. We must love by being willing to become vulnerable. Now, what does it mean to become vulnerable? It means that you're going to lay your heart right out on the table. And if your husband should abuse it, run over it with track shoes. If he should uh, pound it with a hammer, uh, you would lay it out there anyway. That's what God asked you to do. He asked you to be hurt if necessary. It means that you're going to believe even if he does let you down. It means you're going to hope even if he is going to pain you as a result. There is no other way to which God has called us. This is not easy. But if you understand 1 Corinthians 13, you'll understand that love always makes a person vulnerable to others. And yet that's the very power that changes the relationship. That's the very power that's needed in this marriage. The power of that loving vulnerability that says, I care for you enough that I'm willing to be hurt again by you if need be. All right, now you ask God to help you to let go. You ask God to help you to give of your heart and your soul and your body and everything that you are and everything that you have to that man, whether you're hurt by it or not. That, of course, is what God did for you in Jesus Christ. And so, whoever you are that's listening, I urge you to take all of these matters quite seriously. If you have granted forgiveness explicitly and clearly, I forgive you, making that promise. You have a promise to keep. And the promise implies first that you won't dwell on the matter in self-pity, raise the matter to other people, raise the matter 
uh, to the person who offended you. But secondly, it means I will develop a new communication, a new relationship, a new way of handling problems, and I'll do this with a willingness to be vulnerable, even if I am going to be hurt by it. I'll do this in love. I'll do this because God says to do it. I'll do it because this is what God did when he loved us in Christ. He made himself vulnerable to all of our taunts, all of our uh, hurts, all of the things that we could do to him in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, this is not easy, but we know that this is healing. And we have seen the way in which those who have followed your word have found joy and real success in their marriages thereafter. Help those who listen, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen.